Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Today is Monday, June 7th, 2021. On this day in 1892, Homer Plessy, a black man, was arrested on a Louisiana train for refusing to move from the whites-only car. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering the arrest of trailblazing civil rights activist Homer Plessy. Plessy purchased a first-class train ticket and was arrested for sitting in the premier section because it was segregated. Let's go back to New Orleans, Louisiana on June 7, 1892. The air was sticky. Sweat beaded on 29-year-old Homer Plessy's brow. He smoothed out his newly pressed shirt and approached the ticket window. With a friendly smile, he purchased a first-class ticket to Covington. Rail pass in hand, Plessy boarded the East Louisiana Railroad train marked number eight. He walked down the aisle, passing white businessmen, a few young white nurses, and a white mother with two small white children. Hardly anyone gave him a second look. To most people, Plessy appeared to be white, but his heritage was one-eighth African-American. That meant he was legally classified as black by the segregation laws at the time. As he took his seat, the train conductor showed up with questions. On some level, Plessy was prepared for the scene that was about to follow. He hoped he could do his part to fight for equality. Days earlier, he had agreed to participate in the act of civil disobedience. He knew he was violating the Louisiana Separate Car Act of 1890. The ordinance mandated separate accommodations for different races. The segregationist law was relatively new, but it was a harbinger of other separatist legislation to come in the post-Reconstruction South. Plessy was involved with the New Orleans chapter of an activist group called the Citizens Committee. The organization hoped to take his case before the Supreme Court. They'd chosen Plessy to make the statement because he could pass for a white man. Though he could have turned his back on his African heritage, Plessy chose not to. He vowed to protect the 14th Amendment, which promised everyone the equal protection of the laws. Plessy stayed calm as the conductor approached him that day. While the number eight train pulled out of the station, Plessy was asked point blank if he was black. He replied that he was. When the conductor asked Plessy to move to a different car, he kindly refused. He pointed out that he'd paid full price for the first-class ticket, just as the white passengers had. As an American citizen, he intended to remain in the premier car. In response, the conductor, who was also a member of the Citizens Committee, had the engine driver stop the train. The two had staged the confrontation to send a message. 
The stunt certainly got people's attention. Several white passengers who weren't in on the plan pushed and dragged Plessy to the exit. There, he was greeted by Detective Christopher Kane, who was hired by the Citizens Committee to be present at the train station so he could make the arrest. Kane arrested him on the spot for violating the separate car act. He forced Plessy down from the train with the help of a few white men. Plessy spent the night behind bars. On the morning of June 8th, he appeared at a preliminary hearing to answer the charges. He told the judge he was born in New Orleans in 1863, just after President Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. His dad passed away when he was only six years old, and his mother married a shoemaker and political activist. Plessy's stepfather worked with the unification movement to end discrimination. Plessy followed in his footsteps and acted as the vice president of the Justice Protective Educational and Social Club. He and his wife lived in New Orleans' Faubourg-Treme district, the city's center of culture, politics, and diversity. While the judge understood Plessy's background was exceptional, he insisted the issue remained the same. Plessy had willfully violated the law. He had to return to jail until his case could be heard. The Citizens Committee posted Plessy's bail, and with their help, he prepared for trial. But it would be months until he saw the judge again, and even longer before his case made it to the Supreme Court. Coming up, Homer Plessy is given a disgraceful ruling. Hi, listeners. It's Carter from ParCast, and I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify. Now back to the story. On June 7, 1892, 29-year-old Homer Plessy sat in a segregated car on a Louisiana train. He was one-eighth black and was arrested for refusing to move out of the whites-only area. It was the latest demonstration of the rampant racial discrimination in the American South. Plessy was born just after the Civil War. The New Orleans of his youth was home to many emancipated black families. Black children joined white kids at school. Interracial marriages became more common. Even neighborhood streetcars were integrated. Like Plessy, other people of Creole descent attained good educations and found solid work. But near the turn of the 20th century, white supremacists stripped black Americans of their hard-won rights. 
Plessy knew it was time to fight back, which was why he defiantly sat in the segregated train car that day. He wanted to make his case in court. John Howard Ferguson finally heard Plessy's testimony four months after his arrest. But when all was said and done, the judge backed the lawfulness of the separate car act. On the heels of the trial, Plessy filed a petition against the ruling. The basis of his argument was that the separate car act violated the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment. Though it took four long years, the verdict was eventually appealed before the Louisiana State Supreme Court. Plessy's attorney insisted that at its foundation, separate but equal was a faulty doctrine. In essence, by enforcing any separation to begin with, courts allowed white citizens to continue perpetuating injustice toward people of color. But on May 18, 1896, the white male justices ruled against Plessy a second time. Only one of the eight, Justice John Harlan, dissented. After the disappointing decision, Plessy paid a $25 fine and went on to live a quiet life with his wife. The Plessy v. Ferguson ruling was one of the most disgraceful in Supreme Court history. It paved the way for Jim Crow policies all over the South. The separatist law wasn't only limited to train cars. For around 60 years following Ferguson's verdict, segregation was instituted in schools, restaurants, hotels, theaters, and municipal buildings. The Supreme Court finally started to right its wrong in 1954 when the Brown v. Board of Education case reached their bench. This time, they ruled that segregation in public schools was unconstitutional. Sadly, Homer Plessy died in 1925 at the age of 61. He never got to see his efforts pay off, but there's no doubt he would have known there was still work to be done. Plessy's act inspired others, including Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., Bayard Rustin, Ella Baker, Malcolm X, and John Lewis. Today, New Orleans celebrates his legacy every year on June 7th. The city even renamed one of its streets Homer Plessy Way. As an activist, Plessy dedicated his life to fighting for the civil rights denied to his parents. Today, we're still fighting for racial equality in America, and it's important to remember that separate is never equal. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound design by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new ParCast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly. 
ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.